0: You're listening to CISO's Secret Podcast, brought to you by Checkpoint. And now, welcome your host, Grant Asplund.
1: Welcome, 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 everyone. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for being here for another episode of CISO Secrets. My name's Grant Asplund. I'm your host. And, man, I'm so excited today. We got, we got just this. We got an awesome guest uh, this is a guy that, uh, as you know, we we like to probe executives in the CISO role or realm, I should say, uh, to really get some keen insights. And I know we're going to get them today. So, uh, you know, Matthew's been in the biz, uh, like so often is the case, for a while. Systems, uh, senior systems network engineer for Vista Information Systems, and then, Senior Security Architect for Gracie, Uh, Gracie C., I'll let him clarify that, I'm reading. Uh, Vice President, Information Security and Corporate Security for Cybertrust. Senior Director of Global Operations for RSA, that's one anybody in the security space is familiar with. Executive Vice President of Operations and Technology at DDC Advocacy. We'll find out about that. It's in National Harbor, so looks close to close to the capital. Then on to IBM Business Unit Information Security Officer and Global Process Officer, Global Managed Security Services. So certainly understands that cloud side of the game with those held managed services. A board member for National Technology Security Coalition. He's... Uh, In addition to a board member for Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification Accreditation Body, uh, that's an acronym, uh, and now serving as the Chief Security Infrastructure Officer at Unisys, it is my pleasure and I'm super excited to have a conversation with Matthew Newfield. Matt. Matt. Welcome to the program. Thank you so very much for uh, spending time with us today.
0: Grant, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for the very warm introduction.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. So why don't you give us some z axes, Matt? I mean, I'm kind of just ran through the LinkedIn profile. There's a lot more to it. Maybe you can uh, give us some of the perspective and color and about your career and How you got to where you are today and what you're looking at doing in the future?
0: Absolutely. So, I think I started non conventional. Like you, I did not study cyber. I did not study, well, there was no cyber when I was in school, um, and I didn't study IT. Um, I actually want to be a psychologist. That's what. I got my degree in um, and I ran restaurants right out of college. I was a general manager for a restaurant chain um, and realized pretty early on that it wasn't for me. And Mm. I actually got into this field because a friend of mine said, you should get into this thing called Microsoft Mm. and go get an MCSE. And, you know, so I left being a general manager. And got into tech. Wow. I met a guy that became my mentor um, that was focused on cybersecurity very early on, and worked my way up to where I am today.
1: That's uh, very, very cool. Uh, and you know, you mentioned something, Matt, that I, I want to pull on a little bit, and that's the whole mentoring. You know, um, talk a little bit about. The mentor you had and 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 the role he or she played for you yeah, so I,
0: I think mentors are key as you're growing your career. Uh, too many people that I talk to forget that the only person that is really focused on your brand the only f- person that's really focused on your career trajectory is you. Mm. And by getting a mentor, it's not that they're going to help drag you along, but as you're devising how you want to better enable your own career and how you want to market yourself by having mentors. And, and I, I have to stress the S at the end of that, not mm. a mentor, but mentors, you can help. You can talk to them and pitch the ideas that you want to do and, and, Have them help guide you through your career um, and help see if the message that you're trying to get out there is resonating um, and help you not always avoid pitfalls, but when you get to a pitfall to help you navigate it so that you don't truly, truly fall flat on your face. And, you know, I have multiple mentors, some in the world of cyber some that are cfos one of my greatest mentor has nothing to do with cyber Hmm. Um, he's massively influential for me um, and someone i would bend over backwards for and he's a cfo and has never been a cyber or technologist he's a finance Hmm. executive
1: yeah sometimes when to you know i i can't remember the exact line and who said it okay so i'll probably butcher it but I, i remember It was something like, you know, if you want things to look differently, uh, maybe instead of expecting them to change, you you need to change how you're looking at them. Right. You look at them from a different perspective. And I think that that's obviously in my mind, immediately I'm thinking that's what someone who's outside of uh, the cyber bubble can contribute. You know, you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. Not only that, but here's where they can really, really help, especially for those listening to this that are in cyber. We always joke about the three letters for CISOs and it's, you know, I won't go through the whole joke, but basically the the joke revolves around the premise that CISOs get fired every couple of years. And, you know, as I was moving my way up in my career, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out why. Why does that happen? Why are a lot of CISOs scapegoats, feel like they're scapegoats? Uh, Why do they lose trust? And for many of the situations, it's not that the CISO is incompetent, it's not that they don't understand cybersecurity, they don't understand risk and frameworks, and you you and I could go on and on about all those basics, but what they don't know is how to talk to business executives they don't know how to translate risk into a business conversation so they revert to you know the fud conversations that fear uncertainty and doubt you know right. we're we're getting attacked we're getting attacked give me more budget give me more budget bad stuff's going to happen if you don't give me more budget and either bad stuff then happens and they're fired because they say i gave you all the money and you still or breached, or bad things don't happen, and they go, well, I gave you all this money and nothing ever happened, so you're wasting our money. Right. And that's what having a mentor outside of my direct field helped me with is, okay, Mr. CFO, I wanna talk to you about a board deck, right, I'm making all this up, it's not with the company I'm with, but this is how I would present to, what do you think? And it gives you that safe space to be able to have a conversation and make sure the translation I'm working on fits.
1: Yep, yep. I, You know, we. I just had the pleasure of uh, having the ex from Levi Strauss Corporation, and um, it was one of the things he said, and it's been a consistent... Theme and that is learning to speak the business language, not the Absolutely. cybersecurity language. Right?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of interesting things that that people can talk about, and I, I'm a big analogy person. I, I like bringing them up because I I think it brings things home for people. You know, and, and here's a good example of uh, a CISO conversation with their board. When you show up to the board meeting. And they ask, you know, what's going on? I could say the following, which is typical CISO stuff. I had hit the brakes 32 times. I almost ran a red light four times. I almost got sideswiped because the person next to me was eating lunch. My brakes were squeaking and my back is sore because my seats are awful. And you could have that conversation with your board or with your business partner. And they're going to look at you like you're speaking in tongues because they don't care. Yep. What they care about is, did you arrive on time? Did you arrive on budget? Right? And then your job is to tell them about the risks. So I arrived, I'm on time, I'm on budget. By the way, my brakes are squeaking, and it ties into a method I believe is important for everybody that I call the Olympic method. So my brakes are squeaking, and I want to give you some choices. So the bronze medal choice is we're going to do nothing, the silver metal choice is I'm going to get normal brake replacement. And the gold is I'm going to go for these top line ceramic, you know, mm-hmm. yada yada brakes that are going to cost a small fortune but are the greatest things ever. And you give the business back choices around risks you find, and you will find that all of a sudden you can start having real conversations instead of FUD conversations.
1: Right. Right. Real as in how to truly tackle budget address uh, the the circumstance situation threat problem whatever it might be right
0: that's correct and it's again it's a conversation instead of a demand and you know it, we need to be viewed as business enablers i enable business to be done securely that's that's my job that's what i'm here to do that's what i've always been here to do in a cyber world i'm not here to stop bad things from happening that's mm-hmm. that's crazy that's like hiring an engineer to build a car and say hey by the way i need you to build a car that never gets into an accident right right <laughs> no, no no i'll help build you a car that when it gets into an accident everybody lives how about that
1: yeah yeah or we'll uh, take action to protect you from you which is what we see in cars today right that's one of the things You know, that when I talk to people um, while on, I do not want to um, undermine the value when you educate your users so they know when you hover over a link and it says dot r u you know back away from the car um you know i mean just some of those things right that there is no prince that wants to give you a share of the six million (laughs) dollars nowhere on the planet is there someone uh that wants to do that so so having smarter users is good however I'll ask, how many of you in the audience uh, have recently bought a new car? And there's always someone that knows someone or has. And I ask, did it come with a two-week defensive driving course? Of course not, because that's not their focus. But it'll park for you. It'll slow down and speed up for you. It'll keep you in your lane. Right. So all these things. And that's really, I think, a trend that we'll see in cyber. I'm curious what you think.
0: I I agree with you. But one of the caveats to the statement that I think is important to make is all of those things are true if you're willing to pay. Otherwise, it won't break for you, it won't park for you, it won't keep you in a lane. So it it depends on the priorities of the organization, but you are starting to see more and more CISOs, IT organizations and corporations put controls in place to your earlier point to protect you from yourself. Mm -hmm. And I, I think those are really good things. We do some of those very same things here at the company I am with. One of the things that I think is even more important is training. And and, and I think it's important that uh, – give me just a sec to talk about this sure. because there's a lot of cynicism out there around training. Yes. And the reason there's so much cynicism is I'm going to make these numbers up. But let's say 20% of your user population fail phishing tests. And you get in front of the board and say, I'm going to bring that down to 10%. Mm -hmm. Well, it's still awful, right? I mean, come on. It only
1: takes one person. Correct. The odds are obviously in their favor because we have to be right 100 percent of the time. They have to be right once. That's exactly correct.
0: But. You know one of the problems I think we have with corporate security training is a lot of users in the world, and I'm not knocking anybody, but they don't care mm-hmm. and they don't care because there's this mindset that when I'm using a corporate asset, a corporate laptop, corporate desktop, corporate phone, corporate apps that it's not their responsibility right. to be secure that's there's an i t department a security department you know they pay for all these apps and what I have found very successful is change the training program when we train people on password security or we train people on phishing and vishing and smishing attacks Mm -hmm. what we try to spin it as we're going to train you on your personal lives on your gmail account or yahoo account or whatever personal email hotmail account we want to train you so that your significant other your children your parents your family your friends That's the training we want to do because you are correct. If your machine gets hit corporate-wide, we have ways to respond. But I can't help you if someone takes over your personal email account and gets into your bank account. Yep. Nothing I can do for you.
1: Yep.
0: So let me train you to
1: make your personal life better. And that hygiene carries over. Right. Because Because, once you once you get the understanding of what it is you're doing, because I think a lot of times, you know, there's a saying for years that I always heard uh, being a bag carrier where there's mystery, there's margin. Right. And it's like, you know, I mean, think think in the very basic sense, going in to see the mechanic and you know nothing about a vehicle. Right. Where there's mystery, there's margin for that mechanic. Well, yeah, it's going to cost you about 250 bucks for him to, you know, fix a wire or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I think that um, that's certainly the case in the real world. And if you eliminate that uh, for me so that I now I I get it, I'm going to I'm going to tuck that into uh, my brain and i'm going to carry it with me anytime i have my hand on a mouse anytime i'm using a keyboard or even a tablet right i mean it's it'll really stick that's a good idea
0: yeah and the other thing that that people need to stop doing they they do these annual multi-hour security trainings and hope that's a checkbox. that's in my opinion useless Mm. you know the the person who runs the training program here you know came up and and had a really brilliant way to put this. And what she told me is the test that we do regularly. And, you know, we test our employees, our associates regularly. She said, that's the training. That's the actual training, not some PowerPoint or some video you have to watch for 30 minutes and answer four nonsensical questions. It's the test. That's the training and that people don't want to fail. That's the gamification you hear about. Yeah. And, it's really done wonders and it's made people think twice about clicking things. It's made people understand some of the nuances to how these attacks occur and when they occur. Yep. yep. You know, adversaries know Friday 4 PM Eastern standard time. Great time to send out fishing yeah. Monday morning, 8 AM. Great time to send out phishing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yep, yep. yep. You know? The, 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 the fact of the matter is, um, as long as the humans involved, we're we're gonna have challenges, and we have to just kind of accept that, right? I mean, I think that's a fact. Um, but but you could flip, but you, know, you could flip that around a little bit.
0: Not only do you have to accept it, but again, I said I was a you know wanted to be a psychologist. Yeah. Let's let's take that and instead of making it a we just have to accept people are and you know put whatever you want in quotes. Let's talk about humanizing, and I know I'm making up an awful word, but really humanizing what we do, when we understand and we take the time to listen about why people do things, you find that in a lot of cases, it's not because they're ignorant or they're malicious. They they want to help. They're busy. You know, they they don't want to question authority. So you, if you listen to the the associates or the employees in your organization, you start to pay attention to societal norms in the regions you may do business because they're different, right? You know, what constitute norm in one country doesn't translate always to another. But when you start thinking that way, you can tune your programs so that they're relevant for those people. And you'll, you'll get massive gains And you'll get people who are now excited to be a part of what you're trying to do instead of rolling their eyes going, oh, I got to do that cyber training or, oh, I got to, you know, I got to take that test or I've got to listen to that thing. People can get excited because you've gamified it and you've made it relevant to them and you've made
1: it personal. Yeah. So it's interesting. We had a really cool event today secure users and access. Um, And we had someone from Forrester talking and uh, it was asking, you know, he had a really interesting slide and it said, why do you sometimes ignore or go around your company's security policies? And the number one answer, it is the most efficient way of doing what I need to get done 39 percent hard stop couldn't agree more and and 34 percent i need to interact with peers outside of my company and security policies get in the way of my doing that correct then the next one same 34 percent security policies are too strict or unreasonable So, you know, I mean, it's interesting. Right. None of them are saying because I want to usurp our security policies because I want to put our company at risk because, you know, none of it's always really with the best of intentions.
0: Yep. I mean, there's the saying the road to that place is paved with good intention. And, you know, a lot of what I just heard you say in those responses is also most of it is on the shoulders of the security organization because either they have gone too far. And that does happen. Let's be honest. Sure. Or they have not spent the time to communicate the why behind what they're doing.
1: And maybe the how maybe in fact there's ways they can get this work done if they were just taught how.
0: And that, that would be that third bullet. And it's generally, there is a, we won't allow you to do what you're asking because there's a more secure, better way. I mean, Mm. I I always go old school and say, you're right. FTP is very easy. The answer is no. But if I just stopped (laughs) there, then people are going to download personal Dropbox and they're going to do, they're going to, they're going to circumvent because they need to get their job done. But and again old school i'm i making all this up but if if instead the security organization said okay we're not going to allow ftp for these reasons but if you need to transfer files between us and another organization use sftp or we're we have a corporate dropbox or we have something else that yeah. we want you to do that is a secure way to do that business thing you need to get done and that ties all the way to the beginning conversation being able to have business conversations give them choices you have to give them choices the answer generally can never be no and look that the joke in my own household is my oldest who's at college now is studying cyber and it and i learned long ago that if i just said no and tried to put blocks in my house ultimately he'd find a way around that
1: Mm -hmm. because i said so (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't work, right? Doesn't. And he
0: he wanted to do whatever it is and it was never malicious. It's not like he was doing illegal things, but right. he wanted to get something done. He's like, "I bet I can find a way to do this." Yep. And I'll give you one that I see in corporations all the time. Mouse movers. People don't understand why you have timeouts for your screens. And you know when I talk to a lot of companies, they they have problems with people installing mouse movers on their laptops. And and again it's because the security company has a timeout of let's say or security organization of 10 minutes or 5 minutes or 40 seconds. People are trying to give presentations, read books, you know, do whatever. So instead of them constantly clicking a button, they would install these apps which many of them are filled with nasty software i mean it's viruses and bugs and all sorts of stuff um, or they're in violation of the eula right but they never did it because they were jerks they did it because
1: they didn't want to enter the password again
0: <laughs> exactly or be sitting in front of a customer giving a presentation talking yeah and realize they talked for 10 seconds too long and the screen locked
1: yeah and that's you know it, it's interesting right that um, there's no malicious intent, but we seek out solutions uh for our problems now uh and with the internet and and in particular everyone being sent home to work I mean I suspect that it's only exacerbated that I'm gonna find it and fix it myself kind of approach what do you think
0: hundred uh, percent you know I, a year ago, March the world went home, right? Yeah. And, it, you know, we're going to talk cyber around the pandemic. So, you know, I, I want to be clear, everything we say, it's an awful scenario and and the loss of human life and everything else associated with it just crushes me. It makes my heart weep. But, yeah. you know, we're, we won't focus on that here. And it's it's we sent people home and a lot of companies did it wrong because they had to. Oh. And You know, we talk about the communications, and this is where a lot of IT and cyber fail because, okay, you're an average employee, average associate, you know, you don't have access to the CIO or the CISO or, you know, to some executive team, and you're you're now home and you have this new laptop. Well... Let me ask you some questions, Grant. Let's say that's the best machine in your house, right? You you don't have a lot of home computers and you just got this you know, whiz bang, top of the line, whomever's laptop and it's at your house. You boot it up, you connect to work, you get your work done. At the end of the day, your child, your spouse, your family member I'll wants to above. use that laptop, <laughs> yeah, wants to use that laptop to play a game or let's just say surf the internet study, can they or can they not do that? And where do they go to find that information?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So let's go the other that I see all the time. You sent everybody home and you sent them a piece of junk because you couldn't get a good laptop or desktop for them. Mm-hmm. And the computer they have at home is better. And they need to compile code or they need to write you know, big papers or, or work in massive Excel spreadsheets is it okay for them to use their personal machine?
1: Well, give me that USB. There you you go. (laughs) Let me, let me do some, uh, you got got that free USB when you went to that football thing on Saturday. Give that to me. I got to move a file. That's right. The the one
0: that says hackers are us. Yeah. Let me, (laughs) let me have that bad boy. You deleted everything on it. Right. But, it's it's about that communication it's about listening yeah. because again for a lot of companies that i was talking and helping talking with and helping during the initial parts of the pandemic do what you can do to get people home but then that's not the end game that's that's step 1 now you have to go back and verify do you have the right equipment the right training the right security controls because again let's be honest one of the other big problems a lot of CISOs and CIOs faced, you now had all of your employees home, let's say, we'll go old school, they're all VPN'd into your infrastructure. <laughs> so can your internet pipes handle all that surfing? Oh. No? Oh, did you turn split tunneling on? Did you do it correctly? Did yeah. you just create a bridge between what I consider to be the most hostile networks on the planet, which are people's houses yeah. and your
1: company? Well, just I mean, you know, so many of the home networks today, I know certainly uh, Xfinity does this. I think others now They're when you set up and configure your router, you're basically setting up uh, a a guest network for anybody that's roaming so they can offer the ability to roam anywhere and have Internet anywhere. And they're basically piggybacking on uh, people's houses. I know that was how it was when I got my new Comcast set up.
0: Yeah, a lot of people are doing that. I mean, it's it's edge computing at its finest. And, right. you know, but, it, but again, even inside the home, I mean, people, you know, I, I give the running joke of, so you have high speed internet and everybody generally, when I'm giving these speeches, nods their head and I said, so let me guess, between 8am and tomorrow, someone showed up to your house generally in a vehicle that may have had a sticker on the side that said they were a contractor for whoever you use. People shake their head yes. I said, okay, they came into your home with a bunch of boxes and they ran around your house and they hooked these boxes up all over the place, some behind your TV, some in a basement or a office somewhere. Then they sat on the phone probably a half an hour. And at the end of it, they hung up and said, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, come with me. Turn your TV on. And you go, wow, I can see television. They go, ah, pick up your phone. I have a dial tone. Okay, grab your machine and go on the internet. You go, yay, I'm on the internet. And they go, sign here and they leave. (laughs) And you, you do nothing. Nothing. Did you change any of the default passwords at all? Did you even look to see that Maybe that person knows your default password because it's on a sticker on the side of the router that's in your basement.
1: Did you get informed that there is a password you should go and reconfigure?
0: Absolutely. Is, is mean, that just router mere, allowing remote yeah, management?
1: Uh, Totally, man, and and do you know uh, if that really was who it was? I mean, you could even start there in the sticker on the side of the van. But you're exactly right. You're, and I think also what's kind of frightening, Matt, is. I'm not sure if people appreciate how hyper-connected we are with these handheld supercomputers we're carrying around. You know, everybody calls them smartphones, but it's so ridiculous to refer to a device with, uh, you know, 512 gigabytes of memory and compute capabilities Mm. beyond what you can even imagine... And you call it a smartphone. I mean, let's face it. We're all hyper-connected with these unbelievable computing devices. And... And it's twenty four seven, three sixty five, 365, and that has consequences. You know, who doesn't? It's interesting how company, I'm going to jump in another subject real quick and ask you about the metadata that comes from DHCP, for example, because everybody leaves their auto connect to a Wi-Fi network turned on. (laughs) <laughs>
0: sure they do of of course they do and people will connect to wi-fi's in um airports just generalized wi-fi especially unsecured ones and you know we used to run tests and back and everything i say I've, I've always been on the white hat side of things but you know we put up uh WAPs, you know wide area protocol networks yeah. devices in places to do tests and you could name that That SSID, something like, uh, I would recommend you not connect, right? Do not connect. Uh, This is bad.
1: We hack you.
0: And people connect to it. They will connect to it. As long as it gets them online, they they connect.
1: Yeah, they're just calling it that. They're just naming it that, you know, whatever. that's, That's a joke. And to your point, people don't
0: realize the data they give up. Yeah. because let's let's be honest this field this tech it moves very fast and it's not easy right if it was easy everybody would do it like most other fields no matter what you do for a living um you do it and if you're a specialist in it there's a reason we have that term specialist if you're in finance not everybody is going to go and say yeah yeah I'm going to go take that CPA exam and you know <laughs> I'm going to be an accountant that's not the way it works and but it again, it is incumbent upon us to help train people and bring it to a denominator that everybody can understand. Again, yeah. we have to move away from FUD. Even in this conversation, we don't have to be FUD, that fear, uncertainty, and doubt when we're talking to people, when we help people. And, you know, if there are people that listen to your program that are not in our world, right? Grant they 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 are not in cyber, they're not really in heavy tech or they know people that are not. Yep. You know, the thing I always tell them is there are so many forums out there these days, generally in your for your neighborhood or for the region you live in, your county, ask for help. I'm one of those people that monitors the forums for the area I happen to live in. And when people have cyber questions, home IT questions, I absolutely help. Yeah, even to the point in my neighborhood, I've gone to people's homes and helped them.
1: Yeah,
0: because I want them to be safe because it makes me feel safer.
1: Absolutely, in the world. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, you know, we're all. I think most of us who are, uh, uh, with you know, air quotes in the industry, in the business, end up being that. A tech support person for our family members and uh our friends uh, but then you know you there's always those i'll give you an example a buddy of mine who i've known for many 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 years and you know i think he has the same modem that he received from comcast 10 years ago Whoa. now he's complained about poor connection uh i gave him an uh, apple tv for a gift six years ago and it's not on Uh, and he sits at his computer and he watches youtube videos and he's been complaining about you know the performance and and i you know he i've told him so many times you have to appreciate moore's law the pace of technology and how much better the technology is Uh, today you need to replace that right and i guess the point really is there's a lot of people that aren't in it and really to them it's a far different thing in their lives uh uh, in a very oversimplified statement right it it, it's a means to an end
0: we're a set it and forget it world let's Let's be honest. They don't – you like that the oven works. Nobody wants to know how the oven works. And and you know if you take it into corporations and some of the, the hurdles that CISOs and CIOs face, it's the same inside of work. When people show up to an office or they turn their corporate machine on in the morning at their home office, they don't care what's happening, and they shouldn't. They care about what you said at the beginning of this conversation about doing their job. Yeah. They, and they have an expectation. I mean, they expect it to just work. So, you know, when they boot up in the morning, they're thinking about getting their job done. They're not thinking about anything else. They don't yep. they don't care about your boot cycle. They don't care what protocols are running in the background. They just care about getting their job done. Yep. And if if you have that as your foundation, that you're going to build all of your security programs, your training, your controls on that to me can be very powerful in a corporation. If you build everything you do, all of your program, all of your tech, all of your tools, all of your everything on a false premise, a false foundation, it's no wonder it doesn't work, Mm -hmm. right? If you expect everybody to love cyber like you and I love cyber or everybody to love tech like you and I love tech, well, you're doing it wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we,
0: that's a mistake, right? It's a massive massive mistake and and this is why, you know, when when I'm giving guidance and and having conversations with up and coming CISOs, up and coming cyber professionals, it's why things like frameworks are so important. Frameworks are so important not because it tells you what to do, but it's common terminology. It's common. It's something that you can easily describe to others and it's standard and it's repeatable. And even if you have to modify it, having a framework in your organization to build on is important. And if that framework is based on the type of employees that you have, wonderful. Then you can build a real program that's cost effective and actually makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. hopefully people won't go around yeah. constantly. Yeah.
1: yeah I, I imagine that uh, there's a little bit of uh, Uh, Cat and mouse back and forth, uh, but I think your approach is spot on on mitigating it and reducing it. Uh, So, listen, Matt, I don't want to get away from asking you and uh, before we end our time because you've given us so much and I really appreciate it. So, what I want to ask is just kind of you know the theme, uh, of course, Cisco secrets. Talking to those that are future sissos and siso wannabes and and aspiring sissos, what insights uh, can you maybe provide, or uh, maybe recommendations you can throw out uh, to help them on their journey? Absolutely. So, and and look, we've all been down, and everybody's journey is different.
0: Mine is really weird compared to others. And I find others to be really weird compared to mine, but (laughs) the commonality is we're all on the same side of this. I am not in competition with any cyber professional in the world, whether you are a CISO, a CIO, a CSA, it does not matter, we're not in competition. So if you're aspiring to get my job or get a job like the one I have, Get to know people who have that job. If they do not want to talk to you or they put on that air of, you know, I'm special, they're the wrong person to talk to. Find someone else. Mm. Because I have found in my career, as I worked my way up, the more people I spoke with that had the role, the more I learned in advance and not learned what they did well, but I could start to glean what they were doing wrong. Mm. So that as I built my own brand, on my way to being a CISO, I did it in a way that I was going to be successful with my own personality type, mm. because I'm not you and you're not me. Right. So you really have to focus on, on that. I think another problem for a lot of people who want to be CISOs, they feel like they have to be the best firewall admin, the best threat analyst, the best, and they only focus on capabilities within our vertical. And I think that's a mass failing, Mm. a massive failing. So spend time out in other industry and other areas of a business. So I spent a significant amount of time understanding the compliance and privacy space, the legal space, the finance space. I always tell people a great book is finance for non-financial managers. Mm. And when you try to expand your horizons, then you can be a much more effective CISO because it's a real political role. You're trying to convince others to do things that may seem harder for them to get their jobs done. Mm-hmm. And then spend time on your ability to storytell. And I know this sounds really weird, but we tell not lies, but we have to make things into stories because it helps bring home the message. And, and I'll give you an example of one. I worked for a company that the team was developing software, this was years ago, and they refused to bring security into the last minute because they thought we would slow the project down. So I had to go in front of some very powerful executives at this company and I said, look, let me give you the analogy. You build homes and they're gorgeous. Look at this beautiful home you just built. I'm the the electrician, you're the the builder and we bring our customer in, we we go through that final walkthrough and they walk around and go, this is great, it's exactly what I'm looking for, it looks beautiful. You then look at them and go, great. We're gonna go ahead and bring the electrician in and we're gonna start running all the electrical wires. You got done quick, but you didn't complete the project because now I'm gonna rip all your walls down. Because I have to run everything behind your walls. Oh, and I got to dig up your foundation because I got to connect to the street. Oh, and I got to rip the ceiling down because I got to put lights up there. Oh, and I got to rip your attic out and all the insulation out because I got to put an attic fan in. And if you had done it in advance, yes, we would have slowed the project down, but nowhere near as bad as bringing me in last minute, making you start all over again to do it securely. And by giving that kind of an analogy through storytelling, it really hit home and we were able to make quick changes.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's something that I think I pride myself on as well, Matt, is being able to take what's arguably a complex subject matter for those certainly outside of uh, this space with air quotes around it, Uh, And putting it in terms that are simple and easy to understand. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. I find analogies a much easier, more effective way uh, to communicate those things. So I I agree. Being a storyteller, it's it's an important capability. Yeah.
0: And be a voracious reader. Look, if, if you truly love this field, if you love what you do, then you're going to want to read, you're going to want to stay up to date, You're go- you're going to want to do those things. And, you know, like a lot of industries... there is news every day. So you gotta be voracious on your ability to, you know, consume information and, you know, some of the best ways to consume information. Yes. The pandemic has really slowed some of this down, but there are events that generally happen in populated areas that you can go and listen and be a part of and ask questions and get really good intelligence. Mm -hmm. Um, On things that have happened and may be happening, um, especially in the cyberspace, if you're part of things like Dib, the defense industrial base, you know, joining those kinds of groups so that you can hear and listen and talk um, to your peers. These are very important things to be able to stay up to date and relevant.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I've said since I got into this business, when I helped open that Apple dealership in the early 80s, it's the greatest thing about it is no matter when you get in, you're getting in at the beginning of something. And it really is exciting. So,
0: And I'll give you one last piece that I think stops a lot of people. You will never be ready. I I think that is the key thing, Grant, for the audience. If you're trying to get into the space and and move your way up, everybody's like, well, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I've never met someone who started and said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been ready for years. Mm -hmm. If if you haven't had the role before, you're never ready. you got to be confident and jump in. You have to just jump in.
1: That is sage advice, Matt, because I think there's nothing like doing it being in the job and doing it. And this is certainly a hands-on industry. And I think that uh, you can't learn it in a lab. Uh, You can't learn it in a hypothetical role-playing. You learn it by uh, getting into it and doing it. So I think you're spot on. This has been very enlightening, really fun. I've enjoyed it so much, Matt. Thank you very much for spending so much time with us today.
0: Grant, it was a pleasure. I wish you the best in everything you do. Uh, I look forward to talking to you again and to your audience. I hope everybody has a wonderful day.
1: Fantastic. Matthew, thank you very, very much. So ladies and gentlemen, we got another one in the books. This was a fun one talking with Mr. Matt Newfield, the Chief Security Infrastructure Officer at Unisys. Great conversation. Good insights. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you did, We'd love you to share it, tell your friends about us, and we'll look forward to having you back on the next episode of CISO Secrets. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share with your friends and colleagues.